Well, good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see all of you here. And if you're our guest, if you're new to church or you're watching online for the first time, let me welcome you. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we're so glad that you're with us and that you're joining us. This is our third week in this series called F is for Family. And we've been taking the past few weeks and just looking at what family life should look like. And we know this, that there is no perfect family, okay? So if you're in this room, I can promise you your family was not perfect. But we want to get better, and we want to keep growing and seeing in God's word what he says our family should look like and how we develop and we build healthy families in our life. And so that's the heart of this series is to be able to invest in our lives. And so it doesn't matter if you're young and um, young and married and have kids, if you're a single parent, if you're older, um, whatever your life looks like, you have family around you. And so we want to look at God's word and see what he's challenging us with. And so we want to invest in families. And so a part of that is what we talked about every week where we're doing a family getaway. And so at the end of this series, we are going to give away to one family, especially tailored weekend just for your family. So you can text this number, your name, and I love my family. Even if you want to strangle them right now, you can just text that in. And we're going to tailor it around, once again, the season of life that you're in. If you have young kids, it's going to be something that they're going to enjoy. Um, if you're older, it's going to be something that you can enjoy and kind of relax with. And so every time that you're here throughout this series, you can enter your name. Your name will go in multiple times. You'll have a better chance of winning. And we will draw um, a winner at the end of this series and give that away. So today I am excited about what we're talking about because this isn't something that we often get to address. And in this family series, I thought this is a great time to do this. And it's about technology. And so today I want to look at how technology influences and shapes our family relationships. And what are some things that we need to be careful of and look at as it comes to technology. Now, when I'm talking about technology, I mean, that's been around for thousands of years. Okay, since the first woman and since the first man developed tools and utensils and all of those things, I mean, technology existed. But what, I'm, what I want us to look at this morning is more the digital technology that has recently come about. And as we look at that, how it's constantly surrounding us and how we're engaged in that, the globalization, the fact that this morning you can take out your phone and you can talk to someone on the other side of the world, and that's not something weird. It's just something that naturally happens and connections that are made. And so how does that influence our relationships? And I realized in a room this size this morning, I'm going to have to do something because for some of you, you remember a time before the digital technology age, right? I'm not going to make you raise your hand and date you, okay? But you remember when there wasn't Wi-Fi, when there weren't TV screens everywhere, right? When there wasn't mobile gaming and all of those things. And then for others of you, it's not a before and after. This is your reality, okay? Like you've grown up in this world. It's all that's been around you. But sometimes we don't realize it because it's all around us that it's affecting us and that it can affect us. And so we need to look at how that shapes our relationships and what that looks like. And so I'm going to do my best to kind of bridge those gaps and look at this this morning of how this influences our family. Now, I want you to know this also this morning is this is not going to be just an informational talk. So I'm not going to stand up here and just try to give you my opinion because as you walked in this morning, you saw one of our declarations says scripture shapes our lives. And we believe that. And so we want to look at the word of God. And some of you may be sitting there thinking, wait, but they didn't have digital technology at the time of Jesus, right? Like he's not kicking back with the disciples, binge watching Netflix at the end of the day, 
right? You know if you've read the Bible that that doesn't happen. But I believe God's word speaks to us about some of the things that are surrounding us and how, te- how technology influences us. I even think the Bible talks about Facebook. And in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, it says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his or her own opinion. And if that's not Facebook, you guys, I don't know what is, right? Like you go on there and you don't have to scroll down that far before you find some fool that's just spouting out nonsense, right? That doesn't care about what anyone else thinks. Is just, you know, spouting out their own opinion or giving their own opinion. And so I know this, the Bible talks about these ideas and the Bible talks about what we're going through. And so I believe this message will relate to all of us because we all interact with this and we're all surrounded with this. So I strongly want to encourage you, even if you normally don't, take some notes. Okay, we're talking about technology. Take out your smartphone, okay? Get to a blank note. Don't be looking at other stuff, but take out your smartphone. Take some notes. There's a card right there in front of you. If you'd rather do that, take that out. Write down some of these verses because this morning I'm going to give you four recommendations as it comes to technology and family. So these are four recommendations that we have to guard against in our life so that they don't destroy or break down our family relationships. The first thing, and you can write down kind of this first point right here, is that we have to be careful as it comes to technology that we don't trade a picture over being present. Don't trade a picture over being present. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 25, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and it's on page 305 in that Bible, or you can write these down and look at them later. In Proverbs, this writer of this wisdom literature says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. He's writing and he's saying, hey, in the world that he lived in, even before all of the digital screens and before all of these things, there was this tendency to be distracted by everything else around you, by all of the things that surround us. And our eyes can drift off. We can lose focus from the conversation right that's right there. Adam, when we were um, talking the other day, we go out to lunch a lot of times as the staff, and Adam's like, man, no matter how hard I try, it doesn't matter what restaurant we go to, there's like seven or eight TV screens around you, right? And you end up in the middle of the conversation, and you're just doing this, uh-huh, 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 right? And you're not even present in that moment. Like you want to listen, but your eyes are distracted, right? Your eyes are drifting off, and you're not even focused on what's going there. You're caught up in a picture, And not really present in what's taking place right there in front of you. And there's this this mindset, there's this tendency, obviously for thousands of years, to get distracted. And Solomon's saying, don't let that happen to you. Fix your eyes on what's right there. Be present in the moment. Don't just focus on something else, but focus on where you are at. And the struggle, once again, is that technology is all around us. And it begins to cripple or destroy even our family relationships. Because we're so caught up, once again, I can just take out my phone and I can be entertained by a picture screen instead of being present there. And it starts early in the morning. Like when you look at studies and surveys that are done, most of us, we reach, this is one of the first things that we reach for early in the morning. And you reach over beside your bedstand or wherever it's at, and this is what you end up doing. This is how we spend our time is 74% of us usually check email. Okay? 50... 
51%, we want to see what someone's text us. So we're sending or reading texts, checking social media, reading the news, organizing our calendar. Okay, thank you. 17% of you guys are reading the Bible. Great job, you guys. Or you're watching a video, listening to podcasts. But this is what we do. One of the first things so many of us in the morning is we're reaching over and we're grabbing this device. We're not present in the moment. And before we even talk to God, even before we connect with the God of creation, we're looking at what's going on in the world. And we're surrounded by disaster, by crisis, by devastation. And we wonder why we feel alone or depressed. It's because we're not being present in the moment. We're not even connecting with God before we're overwhelmed by all of the evil and all of the things that we see in the world. And this is how many of us live our life. We're not present in that moment, but it doesn't just end there. We're surrounded and it's how we end our day. So 31% of us, we go to bed at night. We're falling asleep watching the TV, okay? 10% checking social media, 3% reading online, 2% playing a video game. I don't know how you fall asleep playing a video game, right? Like it seems pretty interactive, but you wake up and your little guy's dead, I guess, like he got killed by some alien, but you fell asleep playing a video game. And that's, that's how we go to sleep at night, right? Like we fall asleep doing that. And then we sleep with our devices. Adults, preteen, teens, all of us, 70 to 80% of us are going to sleep. And we read the articles how it's so bad, you know, for the blue light and the electronic screen. And your body doesn't really enter sleep like it should. Like we all know this stuff. And yet it's always right there at our fingertips, right? Like it's always right there. And, and so many times we're not actually present in the moments that we're in. And we've traded those moments for just a picture screen, for something that we watch or, or something that we do. Or how about this? So many of us that have forgot to fix our eyes on what's before us. And we're so busy trying to capture a moment that we forget to create one. Right? We forget to create one with our spouse, with our family, with our kids. We forget to just be present there in the moment because we're trying to get the perfect picture. We lose that interaction with those around us, those that God has placed in our life. And so Solomon, this wisdom from thousands of years ago, is saying, fix your eyes on what's right there. Don't get distracted by all of these other things. And can I be honest with you? No one really needs to see the pasta you ate last night, okay? So glad it was delicious. So glad it tasted good. But, but that's not really ultimately what's going to matter, right? And if you're like me, you take thousands of pictures, they go to some cloud somewhere, I don't even know where they're at, and I don't ever look at them again. But for some reason, I thought it was so important to capture that. And if I'm not careful, I trade those moments with those around me, with my family, and I give them away instead of being fully present. So we have to be careful. And so let me give you this challenge. What do you do in order to not fall into that trap? To not trade a picture screen for being present in the moment, not, not messing that up. What do you do when you're on vacation? Guys, this is your hint. Date night. You should be taking your wives on date night. If you're not, start doing that. Family day, right? So you're, you're taking your kids. You guys are just having fun today. Just block out about two or three minutes. Get all the photos you want, all the videos, right? And then shut it off, you guys. Put it away. Don't let the notifications, right? The Facebook updates will still be there tomorrow, right? All of the texts, the emails, the spam that you got from pizza, all of that will still be there when you're done with date night or family day or just being present in the moment. Just be there. Just be there with those around you. Some of us, that's the best advice we can get is simply to shut off our devices and just be present with those that God has placed around us. 
the second thing this, the, the second thing that I want to recommend to you as it comes to the technology and family is we have to be careful that we don't trade identity for insecurity. That we don't trade our true identity, what God has spoken, what God has done in our life for some kind of insecurity, some kind of fake life that we see being lived out online. The book of Psalms talks about this. Psalms 139, it's an amazing chapter in the Bible where the psalmist is reflecting on God's thoughts towards him, on what God thinks about him. And this is what Psalms 139 verse 16 says. He says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that you formed for me, although there were none of them that I had lived yet. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand on the sea. I awake and I am still with you. What's the psalmist saying? He's saying, God, the most important thing in my life is what you think about me. God, more than any Instagram likes that I'll ever get are the thoughts that you have towards me. God, are the things that you think about me. God, are the things that you've said about me. God, my identity is found in you and not what someone else says on social media, on Snapchat, on Facebook. God, my identity is found in you. And you guys, that's the dangerous thing is so many times we get caught up in what other people are saying even in what other people are doing, what we see in other people's life, and we lose our identity. We become insecure, you guys, because we think somehow our life doesn't measure up, right? It doesn't measure up to that Instagram account with the guy with the perfect hair, right? And the meal is always a gourmet meal. And this week he's in Italy with his family, right? And he's traveling the world and we get insecure like, that's not what my life looks like. Or the girl, right, that's always social. She's always at the party, right? She's always got friends. Her mouth is open in every picture, (laughs) right? And she's always laughing, or at least it looks like it from the picture, and everyone's always there. And we think, wait, my life's not like that, right? I don't have a group of people that go to the bathroom with me. I'm in there by myself. And we get insecure, like, I don't measure up. That's not how I am. But you guys, my identity's not found in that. In some highlight reel of someone else's life, my identity is found in Christ and what God has said about me. And that, Lord, your thoughts about me are more vast. They're more than I could ever count, God. And that's what matters, Lord. That's what truly matters inside of my life. And so I guard that in my heart so that I don't put my life up against someone else's. And what can happen here, I want you to hear this teenager, adult, parent, grandparent, is you can become insecure and you can be come unsatisfied with the family God has placed you in. And you can think that marriage looks better. That family looks better. I'm not as good of a parent as that person. And you can start to want to give up on the family that God has placed you in instead of investing and really being there and saying, no, God, this is who you've made me to be, God. This is where you've placed me. And so what is it that we do? How do we combat this idea of what technology can do of robbing us of our identity and placing insecurity in your life? The first thing is before you get online, just remind yourself, God, what I'm about to see, it's just a highlight reel. Like this isn't always reality. God, I'm going to see the snapshots of someone's life. And God, there's some things that you've said about me that I need to remember that I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made, God. I am your creation. Lord, your word says that, God, that there has never been another human like me in the history of mankind, nor will there ever be, God. You made me unique. 
You guys, sometimes you need to say that out loud just to yourself. Hey, I'm an amazing person. I'm the best person I'm going to see on this Instagram feed for a while, okay? Whatever you have to tell yourself to get that in your mind, that your identity is based on what God has said and not what you just see online. And so you don't trade your true identity for insecurity in your life. For some of you, the best thing that you can do is to get off social media for a little bit. Like you just need to shut down the account for a while because every time you go on there, you're believing the lie that you're not enough or that someone else is better or that your life really stinks and their life is somehow magical. And that's not the truth. And so you need to pick a day, pick a week, pick a month, whatever it is, and just turn off the accounts and just say, I'm not going to listen to that right now. I keep comparing myself with other people, and that's not what God has told me to do. That's not the life God wants me to live. For some of you, that's the best thing that you can do is just pick a little bit of time and just saying, hey, I'm going off of social media. You guys, it's going to be fine. People have existed thousands of years without Facebook, without Snapchat, without Twitter, okay? You're going to survive, and we want to have that right identity that God is challenging us with. The third thing is this, is we have to be careful with technology that we do not trade real romance for false intimacy that we do not trade real romance for false intimacy and this is what i mean by this one of the dangerous things dangerous things that technology has brought to us is there are sexual content and there's pornography that is at your fingertips at any moment throughout the day doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing you can access this now just right here right here on your device, on smart devices, on computers that have internet. And it's becoming an issue here in our nation. And as I was looking at this, I'm just overwhelmed by, by the addictions that are present here in people's life. The statistics tell us that 67% of men are looking at pornography once a month. That means 67% of people that you work with, people in your family, of even people in this room, that they're looking at pornography at least once a month. Three out of 10, 30% of men say it's a daily issue in my life. Every day I'm doing something to go online to look at these things. And this is not just a male issue. Over 20% of women say, hey, this is a regular problem. It's a routine thing that I go online and that I'm gonna look at pornography. I'm gonna look at something in a sexual content in a sexual way. And you guys, this is affecting our kids. The Huffington Post article that I read said that the average kid is exposed to pornography before the age of 11 years old. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, that means that if you have someone that you're closely connected to and you're thinking, well, they'll get talked to when they're in middle school, you've already missed your opportunity. Most likely they've already been exposed to this. And this is an issue that is facing us because of the way that technology is right now and because of what's taking place in our world that it's so easily accessible. And so this is not a teenage boy problem, okay? This is not a parenting problem like parents you just, no, this is an everyone problem. This is an issue in our world that is surrounding us. And let me just say this in case anyone's not laid it out clearly for you. I'm going to do that this morning. If you are ever online, on a screen, on a movie, a TV, you're looking at someone else that is naked, that is wrong and that is a sin, okay? It's wrong and it is a sin to be doing that. If you're watching people have sex, 
Well, Pastor Aaron, they didn't show any private parts, but you're watching people having sexual intercourse on a television screen, on a TV screen, and you're doing that. That is inappropriate. That is pornographic in nature. That is an intimate moment between a husband and a wife that you should not be invited into. And so many times we're allowing ourselves to be in those type of situations. If you're going online and you're purposefully looking at something, okay, maybe they're not totally naked, but you're looking at something to build up lust in your heart or, or feelings that are sexually inappropriate that you maybe can't act on with that person that you can't do because it's wrong, but you're building that up inside of yourself. That is wrong. That is pornographic in nature. And that is a sin. If you're in here and you're saying, well, it's okay because I've talked to my spouse about it and we watch it together. Yeah, that's what the Bible calls an orgy. Okay. And it can be a virtual orgy. You could be watching it on the screen, but that is inappropriate. You're inviting someone else into an intimate part of your marriage relationship that they have no business and they have no place being there. It's wrong, you guys. And this is an issue that will break down our marriage. It will break down our families if we are not addressing this. And the word of God talks about this in Psalms chapter 101, verse 3 and 4. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. The psalmist says it like this. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless, anything that is evil, anything that is vile. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. That's what the psalmist is saying. It's this reminder. Hey, God, I'm not going to place anything before my eyes that does not uplift you, God, that does not honor you, that is not a part of your plan and your desire. I'm not going to associate with evil. I'm not going to do that. And what so many people don't realize is that when you're viewing pornography, maybe not all, but the majority of these people, they're part of a sex trafficking slave industry. And we don't realize that. We don't teach our teenagers. We don't talk about that with our kids, that even though you're getting a moment of pleasure, a moment of gratification, it's costing someone else their life. And many of them are under the control and they're under the oppression of people that do not give them their freedom and don't allow them to make choices. And they are literally slaves today in this industry. And you're saying, hey, I'm a part of that and I'm willing to contribute to that and I'm okay with that. And if that's the attitude of your heart, there's something wrong there, you guys. It's breaking down someone's family. That's someone's brother or sister that you're looking at. Right? That's someone's son or daughter that you're objectifying in that moment. And it's not okay. The word of God challenges us. I will not set anything evil in front of my eyes. And can I be honest with you? What you're watching is not real. It's not, you guys. We try to lie to ourselves and tell us it is right. No one went to Thor if you've seen that and thought, wow, that's a real world out there. You know, no, there's a director. These are movie actors. But yet people sit down and watch pornography and they think that's what real life should be like. But it's not. That's a movie set. That's a screen. That's someone directing that. It is fake. And what we do is we have this fake intimacy in our lives. We feel this connection for a moment, a physical connection or some kind of emotional connection. But there's not real romance there. There's not a real relationship. It's just interacting with the screen. And it damages our families. It damages our lives. And so we have to guard against this. Church, we have to guard against this in our life that we don't allow this to take us over. 
Or how about this one? Maybe it's not sexual in nature, but it's a fake Facebook relationship. Right? And now all of a sudden I'm reconnecting with an old high school boyfriend, an old high school girlfriend. And man, this is real romance. I married this person, but now I've really found the one that I love. And you guys, it's a lie, right? That person that lives across the country, they don't know how bad your underwear and your socks stink and that you leave them on the floor, right? They don't know that stressful moment that every time you leave the house, one of your kids has lost one of his shoes, right? He can only find one of them, right? And they're not a part of that. They're not a part of the stress of paying the bills. It's all just sitting there online typing these love letters or love notes back to one another. It's a fake intimacy. There's not a real relationship, real romance, real love. What we talked about last week is when I've given up my life for someone else. I'm placing someone else's wants and needs before my own. I've given up my right for individuality and I'm placing someone else in front of me. That's real romance, you guys. And we're caught up in this idea of fake intimacy and that somehow it'll satisfy or it'll bring joy to our life. And it doesn't. How about this one? Emotional pornography. They're called chick flicks, you guys. And they're that moment when the guy, right, drives up in the limo. He's got a dozen red roses, right, and he's there singing to the girl. And I don't know how anyone can afford that, right? That's unrealistic. Or the woman comes home, right, and it's dinner time, and her makeup is done perfect. Her outfit's perfect. She's worked over eight hours. She took the kids to soccer. She went and got groceries. But somehow, magically, the dinner is on the table when her family is ready, You guys, it's emotional pornography. That's not the real world. That's not how the world exists. We don't live in a fairy tale, right? Real romance is being there for one another through the struggles, through the difficulties, loving one another, honoring one another, serving one another. And we substitute it so many times for this fake intimacy. What we see on a screen, what we feel like, oh, I want my life to be like that instead of where God has actually placed us. And it's wrong, you guys. It's wrong. And so how do we deal with this issue? How do we tackle this tough topic that we face in our world and in the society around us? Let me give you some hints. For some of you, it's getting rid of this. I know it seems like going back to the dinosaurs, you need a flip phone, okay? For some of you in the room, that may be the answer. Is you need to cut off the ways that you're accessing or that, you, yeah, you have access to pornography. You just need to do that, right? So it may, if you have roommates and you're single and, you know, but you've got a group of friends that are with you, maybe going to them saying, hey, I need us to cut off the cable. I need us to get rid of HBO or Netflix or Showtime or whatever it is. However you're getting to it, you need to cut that off. You need to cut off that access, okay? Right there. For some of you, yeah, you need to have that conversation with your spouse of, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Like I have an issue with this and I need your help. I need your help in dealing with it so that it doesn't overcome my life. Can I promise you this? This is sin and this destroys us, God. You guys, it destroys our relationship with God. And none of us are going to wind up in hell saying, man, I'm so glad I had Wi-Fi though. Right? Like I know I'm separated from God for all eternity, but man, I could surf the internet at high fast speeds. You're not going to do that. And one of my close friends has been reminding me, you know what? Nothing is worth my relationship with God. No Academy Award-winning movie. No cutting-edge, groundbreaking TV show on Netflix. Nothing is worth 
my relationship with God. I will place in front of my eyes no evil thing. No evil thing, God. And so I'm going to cut off those things from my life that are there that are maybe feeding into that that should not be. If you're married, your spouse, your husband, your wife needs access to your Facebook, to your Instagram, to your text messages, to your email. There are no private accounts if you are married. I know I'm not getting a lot of amens, but I'm preaching it, okay? I'm telling you, you can't do that, you guys. It's going to open up the door for evil to creep into your life. And so I don't. I don't have anything that Sarah does not have access to. Just even this morning, I, I had to Google some of these statistics that I just gave you. And she has access to my account and so another close friend and my brother does. So immediately after I did that, I said, hey, if you're on any of my accounts and the word pornography comes up, let me explain, okay? I was looking for statistics, but why? Because I have accountability in my life. I know there are gonna be people there that are gonna ask me the hard questions, that are gonna ask me tough questions, and I need that in my life. So if you're married, your spouse has access to all of that. If you're single, you need close friends that are keeping you accountable, that are helping you guard your heart and guard your life. Students in this room, you need to go home and let your parents know, I have this social media account and I need you to be checking it. I need you to ask me those hard questions. I need you to keep me accountable, right? Because you want real romance and not fake intimacy. You need to be doing that. Parents, grandparents, maybe your, um, your niece or your nephew's favorite uncle or aunt, you need to be asking them about that. You need to know what's going on on their Instagram. You need to have access to those accounts to keep them accountable because it's so easily accessible, you guys, but it will so quickly destroy us when we trade in a real romance for fake intimacy. It'll bring devastation to our life. The last thing, let me leave you with this here this morning, is that we have to be careful is that we don't trade close connections for fake friendship. Close connections for fake friendship. What do I mean by that? Proverbs 27, 10 says this, do not forsake your friend or your father's friend. Don't go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. What's the heart of what Solomon is saying right there? As I read that, I thought if he was living in our time, he'd probably say this, better is your friend that's sitting across the table than an Instagram account across the world. Better is your spouse that you're having dinner with than some whole old high school ex-boyfriend or girlfriend that's going to like your photo. See, it's looking at those that are right there. And you guys, there's a close connection with the people that God has placed around us in our family. And so many times we're trading it in for fake friendship, right? So what? You can say that you have 3,000 friends on Facebook. And are they really your friends? Right? It's like your brothers, ex-girlfriends, cousins, aunt twice removed, right, that lives in Nevada or something, and they liked your photo, and that's so meaningful to you? You guys, th th those aren't real relationships. So many times they're surface or they're kind of friends relationships, but God has placed people right in your life, like people that are right there, and we have to be careful that we don't trade those real relationships for fake friendships that are just kind of on the surface. And we lose out on the people that God has placed in our life. And so this is what we're going to do this week. As you walk out, we're going to ask you to grab one of these. 
And it's just going to be a white box, okay? There's nothing magical about this, okay? It is not technology, I guess, in kind of the digital sense of the word. And you'll have to decorate it yourself, okay? It'll just come white, but you and your family can do that. And my challenge is that you set it on the dinner table, that you set it in your living room, and that this week you take some time whenever you're at your family meal together and you take these things and you just put it in the box and you close the lid and for an hour, for the time that you eat dinner together, you forget about the notifications, okay? You forget about all of that spam email that you've gotten, right? All of that will be there tomorrow. You forget about all the Facebook updates. You just set that aside and you're actually present with those that are in the house with you, with those that you are near, with those that God has placed in your life. And so we're asking every household, every, every family, take one of these for your family and then just set it up. And this week, let's focus in on being present where God has placed us. Not being caught up with a picture screen, not being caught up with what we see online, but just being present, real connections, real friendships with those that God has placed around us. And this week, we want to guard our heart so that we don't get caught up in some kind of insecurity instead of the identity that God has for us. That we don't trade real romance and real love that God wants in our life for some kind of fake intimacy. And I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and Close your eyes this morning. I realize that I've tried to shoot you guys straight this morning. I've just tried to say, how, say it how it is. In a room of this size, statistics would say, hey, there are those of us in this room that we're struggling. And can I tell you the beauty of God's word is that although it shines a light on some of the dark places in our life and on the sin in our life, it also brings grace. It brings not a message of hopelessness, but of hope that Christ came to save us from our sins. And though, although that you and I, we can't fix ourselves on our own and we're broken people and we're messed up people so many times, we continue to fall and stumble, yet the love and the grace of God covers us. And what he did on the cross was he paid the price for your sin and for mine. And this morning, God's not here to kick you while you're down. He's here to offer his hope and his restoration.